In this episode, we're going to be exploring the idea of what it means to come from being an orphan to becoming an overcomer on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is the podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. So glad to be with you. And uh, this is the end of a four-part series about walking out of rejection, about overcoming a uh, rejection mindset. And I've really enjoyed doing this series, so please leave a like or a comment, and uh, it would be appreciated. And please connect with us uh, online and subscribe to our channel, our YouTube channel. And uh, so there's a scripture that I want to read for you as we begin uh, in the book of Malachi, the last Old Testament book, that says, it's a promise. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents, so that I will not come and strike the land with a curse. It is amazing how that when when parents and children don't get along, it, it really has a lot of consequences. And um, we find that God promises, though, to heal that in Christ, in the New Testament. There are all kinds of scriptures about us being adopted into God's family. And N.T. Wright painted a picture of this when he talked about how Roman citizens would adopt children. And he said, among Romans, a man might adopt a child and keep it private for a long time. But there was a second adoption in public. When the child was brought before the authorities, its former garments were taken off, and the father who took it to be his child gave it raiment suitable for its new condition in life. In a sense, this is what Jesus did on the cross for us. He forgave us, he restored us, but he also called us sons and daughters. And he gave us new raiment to wear, his righteousness. What a beautiful way to look at it. And we find that in 1 Corinthians 4.15, it says, For though you might have 10,000 guardians in Christ, guardians meaning, you know, instructors, teachers, you do not have many fathers. Indeed, in Christ I have become your father through the gospel. I appeal to you, be imitators of me. And God is saying there that he wants us to move from orphans to becoming spiritual mothers and fathers ourselves. We, we are never meant to continue to be babies in our life or children or be stuck in some, some infant stage in our spiritual growth. But we are made to grow through our rejection and grow beyond it to the point where our shoulders can, can hold a lot of rejection without even batting an eye or without defining us. And uh, it is God's will for all of us to move from becoming spiritual orphans to becoming sons and daughters, and then from, from that to becoming mothers and fathers in the faith, where we mentor others and bring them up and help them to grow up themselves. We find that in the Bible, mentoring was a big deal. Moses trained Joshua to take his place and to lead the children of Israel into the Promised Land. Elijah became a spiritual mentor to Elisha, the prophet who succeeded him. Elizabeth became a spiritual mother to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Paul mentored young Timothy. And you find him admonishing him in the scriptures and saying, do A, B, and C. And uh, But the question is, why do we need mothers and fathers? Why can't I just be on my own? Why do I need a spiritual mother and father? Well, there's a great illustration given by Larry Kreider, who wrote on this. He, he wrote about mother, mothering and fathering and about growing up and about about uh, being mature in the faith. 
And he relays a story where he says a few years ago, he had visited uh, uh, Pylensburg Park, a South African game preserve, and learned that not too many years earlier, the survival of the white rhinoceros in this game park was in question. Several of those endangered rhinos had been found slaughtered. The game wardens decided to electronically tag and track the remaining rhinos, placing video cameras in strategic locations to record any evidence of foul play. So after tracking the rhinos and reviewing the video footage, the park officials were astounded to discover that the young bull elephants, which are like kind of like the teenager of, teenagers of the rhinos, were harassing the rhinos without provocation. Although the behavior was unnatural for them, these teenage elephants were, or rhinos rather, were chasing the white rhinos for long distances, and they were throwing sticks at them, and they were uh, exhausted from, from uh, you know, running. Um, and once they caught up to them, they were so tired they couldn't run anymore, so they would stamp, stamp them to death. It would stomp them to death. And it was very tragic. So, so they started researching what is going on here? Why are these young, young uh, rhinoceri, why are they killing the rest of the herd? So the answer was found in a decision made 20 years earlier when they looked back on their records. And at that time, park officials decided to transport some elephants from other, uh, some rhinos from other national parks uh, in, in uh, Plyensburg Preserve because the other location was unable to support the increasing elephant population or rhino population. So, so they were too large to transport. So, th so they killed the older ones and they saved all the young bulls. So they found that only the younger ones were sent to be with the herd. So what was happening is, since the younger ones were never mentored by the older of the herd, because those were killed, that they were acting the way they were acting. They were aggressive and, and violent. So to remedy the situation, they brought they brought back a bunch of older preserves. They killed off some of the younger ones that wouldn't, you know, be trained, and they brought back some older rhinos to mentor the younger ones, and and bring things back into balance. And I read that that long story to tell you this that that there's something about parents that pass on something to their children. There's something about mentors that impart something to those they're mentoring, but you can't get anywhere else. You can't really get it in a classroom. You can't get it at a BOCES or at, at an instructional-based uh, scenario. And uh, I heard once of a, of a very well-known college professor. He was brilliant. And he was asked a simple question, what is the greatest lesson of your life, the greatest truth of your life, the greatest thing that just changed your life? Where'd you learn it? All he said is, at my mother's knee. What an amazing thing. There was something that nothing in life could give him except his mother. And there's something about those who mentor us, that when we, when we are locked in and connected with them, that we get something out of them and we learn. Without the presence of mothers and fathers, we create our own sense of morality and ethics. And we find that people in the Bible, uh, some, some people in the Bible considered the trees their parents. It says in Jeremiah 2.27, those who say to a tree, you are my father and you and a stone, you, you gave me birth. So they were saying the stones and the trees were their mother because they were worshiping them, basically. That was their idols. Uh, 
And so we find that spiritual parents give us a greater chance of finishing well. They don't just give us a code of ethics, but they give us a greater chance of finishing well, meaning finishing our journey, coming to our destiny. And it's a fact with uh, with spiritual parents and spiritual children that uh, biblical leaders have shown us that leaders finish well in the Bible when they were mentored. And somehow they grew more when they had mentors. But maybe you're listening to this and said, you know, I never had a mentor and I wish I would because I'll tell you, I'm right there with you. Uh, when I was younger, I had no mentoring whatsoever. I was on my own for years. And then later when I was in my 40s is when I really discovered mentors, spiritual mentors, and it helped me greatly. And I, I said, man, I wish I'd known you when I was 25. <laughs> I would have saved so much mistakes and so many headaches being mentored by you. So mentoring goes beyond just schooling or being instructed. And, and don't get me wrong, we all had teachers that were great that mentored us as they could. But when I speak of mentoring, I mean someone who's your spiritual mother and spiritual father, someone who just hears your heart when you're hurting, they challenge you when you're out of line. They they see things in you that nobody else can see. That's a real mentor. And mentoring is one step beyond that classroom. And spiritual parents, what they do to us is they impart, they focus, they guide us, they discipline us, and they encourage us. And I have had both spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. And they've been awesome. And sometimes I disagree with them, you know, like a stubborn teenager. But I'll tell you, they, they have been such a blessing in my life. Because spiritual parents also, this is number three, they help us to mature. Without spiritual mothers and fathers, we can become the perfect Christians. We can, we can do everything right as Christians, but remain spiritual babies inside, never having really matured or come to, to development in our, in our walk in Christ. And we, we can become Christians with, with head, but without heart. We can attend every church service and support every program and do all these things. and But there's something missing in us. And that's having someone that speaks into our life, someone who goes beyond the Sunday sermon, someone who nurtures us and who guides us and challenges us and corrects us. Everyone needs someone in their life that speaks truth to them, that is not concerned about offending you or offending me. We all need someone like that in our life that tells us that we need to change. Mentoring goes beyond beyond church, beyond the classroom, because we all need mothers and we all need fathers. Spiritual mothers and fathers don't just teach us, but they grow us up. So here's another thing about, about spiritual parenting. Only parents can impart to the next generation. There's something about mentoring that, that when you become a spiritual mother and father, you become someone who mentors others and leads them to the next to their generation to where they need to be i've heard this prayed by great men and women of god when they say lord let my ceiling be their floor when they refer to their spiritual children romans 1:11 says for i am longing to see you so that i may share or impart with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you the word impartation means to give to bestow or to transfer from something inside you. And it means that something that it's beyond words, it's beyond lecture, it's beyond instruction, something that that 
is drawn out of you and goes to that person you're mentoring. That's why you ever notice, if you've mentored anybody, which I have, that your, your, the people you mentor will, will say things about you, you you don't even understand. They'll say, well, I got this from that guy or, or from that gal, and I just observed them. I, I caught this from them. And that's something that goes beyond just lecturing. Legacy is more than leaving an inheritance, isn't it? It's imparting something that money can't buy, yourself. What good is, is receiving all the riches of a legacy if you didn't receive their heart, if, it, if they didn't impart something uh, from you, if they didn't get something from you. And there are three stages of becoming a spiritual parent as found in 1 John 2.12. Now, when it began dawning on me as I got older, all of a sudden I started to realize that certain people wanted to hang around me or pick my brain or they said, well, can I have some advice or can I get a cup of coffee with you because I'm really struggling, I just need to work through this. And some people just outright asked me, can you be part of my life? Can you kind of speak into my life? But that began dawning on me that I was becoming a spiritual father when those who were kind of growing in their own stages began approaching me on these things. And, and then I started looking at my own spiritual fathers, and that started to change where we became more like colleagues because I was getting older, and so were they. And I was able, I was able to become safely disillusioned with them. In other words, sometimes they disappointed me. And instead of being devastated, I got over it and realized, you know what? They're human like I am. And that makes it even greater. And I can honor them even if they fail me, as I hope people will honor me when I fail them, those that I mentor. And I, I noticed subtle things like when we would go to dinner when I was younger, they would always treat me. But when I got older, as, as becoming their colleague, I treated them now. And now I always treat my spiritual parents when I take them out. But first John says this, I'm writing to you little children, right? That's stage number one, little children, because your sins are forgiven on account of his name. Then he says, I'm writing to you fathers, because you know who is from the beginning. And then he says, I'm writing to you young people, because you have conquered the evil one. So, so stage number one is child stage. That's a spiritual infant. That's where, where maybe we don't know anything about life and we're just kind of muddling along and you know, a baby has to be carried and fed and cleaned and dressed and diapers put on and a baby needs constant attention. That's how you know it's a baby. They, they, they crave attention. That's why when you're an adult and still need attention, it shows that maybe you need to mature. But then there is the youth stage where he says, I'm writing you young people because you have conquered the evil one. And the youth can carry and clean and care for themselves. And maybe they feed themselves on the word and they're full of zeal and passion. And they're old enough to even set an example. But a young person can be also be overzealous, arrogant, stubborn in their beliefs. They have all the answers in their minds. And after reading the one article, they, they want to fix the world, right? That's why 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise our youth, but set, set believers an example in speech and conduct in love and faith and purity. Because a young person is strong and they can overcome, but they still have to learn a lot of things. But then comes the parent stage that Paul mentions when he says, he says, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And that's where 
they don't know they not only can carry carry themselves and 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 move and and feed themselves but 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 they can carry others that's the point they can train up the younger ones and a spiritual parent has big shoulders capable of carrying all of the the drama that that comes from from the younger stages even rejection i know parents can be rejected spiritual parents can be rejected and it hurts but they're not defined by it because they know how human beings can be and that's why paul refers to timothy as my loyal child in the faith that's how parents see their spiritual children and that's where if you're a christian and watching this god wants you to grow up to the point where you can become a parent and say that is my spiritual child spiritual parents can allow their children to rely on them too much however that's their fault they can think that they have to fix everything for them and we can actually enable our spiritual children can't we so concluding this today this series there's a danger in being stuck in that lower stage of of, of childhood spiritual childhood we can become stuck in arrested development that's where we become perpetual teenagers emotionally or spiritually because we're so reliant on our parents for everything that we never grow up but yet we find that certain behaviors can be cute when you were 20 but they're not cute when you're 40 right that's how you know you need to grow up and maybe you're stuck so i'm going to close with a prayer from first corinthians 13 11 a prayer for growing up for growing us all up paul said when i was a child i spoke like a child i thought like a child i reasoned like a child when I became an adult, I put away childish ways. So I'd like to I'd like to just point you to the fact today that God wants you to become a spiritual overcomer. He wants you to go from being an orphan to being an overcomer. He doesn't want you to be in your 30s and 40s and still be way down here in a child stage where you need to grow up and where you're just immature. But rather, he wants you to become mature so that you become a spiritual mother and spiritual father in your life so until next time thank you so much for connecting with us so great to be with you today god bless mm -hmm.